Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 27 of the Noise Podcast, brought to you by Noise.co.uk. I am your host, slash your boy, Chris Pugh, and this time I am without uh, the cynical one, my very good friend, Samuel Lewis. This is, as you can see by the title, the first episode of the Chris Meat series where I went to Cardiff not only to record our album of the year show, which hopefully you've seen on YouTube and enjoyed. If not, you can check that out right now. But also to speak to the owner of Noise at Cardiff UK, Jack Holloway, a guy I've known for a few years now, but never really had the chance to sit across a table from him and really dissect his life and his time in music thus far. And before I cut straight into the episode, I'm not going to keep you waiting too long. I just wanted to give a special thank you to Jack. I do thank him during the actual chat that we have several times, but I wanted to take a personal moment to thank him. And he doesn't know I'm doing this, and he probably wouldn't let me do it if he knew I was going to. But everything that I have yet to achieve in the music industry, but might end up doing so, and everything that I have achieved and accomplished thus far, I owe to Jack Holloway for whether he needed the help desperately or not for taking a chance on me when really I didn't have the credentials or the right to even ask him if I could play such a prominent role in the website that he had built from the ground up and was very much his baby and he was taking, rolling the dice on passing that off to someone who at that time he didn't really know very well. So, the Noise podcast, every album I've reviewed, every interview that I've ever done has been down to Jack Holloway, and I owe him a tremendous amount for that. Me and Jack have become very good friends, which has been helped by my very good friendship with Sam, as I'm sure you're all aware of that, but I like to think of Jack as as a very close friend of mine anyway. It just helps, and he's also really cool that we've got Sam as part of this uh, trio of really weird guys that love music as well. So, yeah, I'm not going to keep you waiting any longer, but I just want to take a personal moment to thank Jack. This is the Chris Meets Jack episode. We chat for nearly two hours about pretty much everything from his childhood to when he first caught on to music to what it's like to own a business in his in his mid-twenties. Um, I hope you all enjoy it. It was one of my favourite interviews I've ever done. This is Chris Meets Jack. Welcome to Chris Meets. As I've previously mentioned on the podcast, this is going to be a new section that we brought in where I speak to people in and around the music industry business, whether that's people that contribute to websites, people that are actually in the music industry in the sense of in bands or perhaps working for PR or working studios. And for the first episode of Chris Meets, I figured it would make complete sense to interview the owner extraordinaire Stop of noise.co.uk, Jack Holloway. Mate, um, how are you? How does it feel for you to be interviewed by uh, one of your employees? It, it was fine until you clapped your hands, and then I instantly felt a rush of nervousness for no reason whatsoever, because <laughs> this is like a discussion we would just normally have with a microphone in between us. For people who are at home, the reason why I clap my hands is so I can see a spike in the audio into where to edit into the show. I didn't just randomly clap my hands at Jack for no reason. I expect random claps throughout. <laughs> so this is like cool for me because like this is the first time I've ever done an interview and I, I haven't got a script at all I, I don't know the question I'm going to ask you really we're just going to go completely off the cuff here and see how long we can go and 
I just want to get like an expose into you because it, like my thing with you is uh, unique in the sense of I met you through Sam. Who is here, by the way? I forgot we to, uh, 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 yet to introduce Sam. Hello, um, and Sam will come into the show a little bit later on um, when when we get to the point of Jack going to uni. Um, I think that's why I'm nervous <laughs> for Sam's um, stories. I'm very excited, coincidentally. <laughs> we had a, we had a pre-discussion about this yesterday because uh, I wanted to feel out whether he's got anything on me, and I don't think he has. But we'll soon find out. Yeah, yeah. So just going back to my original point, sorry, this is uh, cool for me because like I met you through Sam, mm-hmm. but like my entire experience of being with you has been like really quite musical or business based, and I, I know a bit about you, but I, I don't think we've ever had the opportunity to just sit down across the table and just be like, so what was your life like? Because uh, like every time we've always met, it's always been based around the website or on a night out where I've been much too drunk to talk about anything other than how great this band is that's playing over the DJ system. <laughs> um, so with that said, uh, let's start off with like the basic stuff. Um, first time you remember encountering music and something that you actually enjoyed as opposed to music on in the background while you're in the car or you're just listening to the radio. The first, <clears throat> I actually discussed this when we did the album, no we didn't do, what was the feature we did for the 75th? Oh, um, the ten great, our, our ten favorite non-rock or metal albums back metal. for a sound check back in the day. And in that, I put an album from the Cause, which was their greatest hits. People should know who the Cause are. It depends on your, on the generation that listened to this. So there's people that might not know who the Cause are. I think there were two sisters and two brothers or something like that um, that did like Irish folk music and. My parents just must have been really into them at the time. Uh, that is listening to that in the car is my first musical memory. But there's parts on that on that greatest hits. There's parts from albums that include songs that were my sister's nine years younger than me. And there's a song on there called Erin Shaw. And as a family collectively, we decided that that was her name because of that song because we listened to it so much. Weird. But that's kind of one of those ones that there's a few songs for the cause that kind of sort of uh, map out my childhood. Dan, the Beach Boys. Yeah. And for me, my dad's a fan of the Beach Boys. Of course he is. Uh, I once went, my first my first ever gig that I went to was a Beach Boys gig. Uh, I used to go with my uncle and auntie to West Wales. That's the thing here, by the way. You go to West Wales, that's like a big thing for Welsh people. Um, it's a holiday and we would go camping for two weeks in the summer we'd always listen to Beach Boys and then the, my dad surprised me for my birthday by taking me to a Beach Boys gig uh, but didn't what he, he made up this really elaborate excuse Sam knows my, my dad's a bit he won't listen to this he's really odd <laughs> so he made up this elaborate you can, you can picture this he made yes. up this really elaborate excuse as to we were going we were apparently going to a fireworks show because it was near Bon- it was near bonfire night right uh, and I was like well, I was like I must have been about 10 and I was like dad why is everyone in Hawaiian shirts and he was like I remember this clear as day him telling me that it was to reflect the fireworks when they went off man mm, what a symbolism <laughs> what a what a that is special person um, <laughs> and then I quickly realised it wasn't a fireworks show Indoors, the Beach Boys, the Beach Boys themselves, they looked horrendous, and I thought one of them might drop dead because this was only about 
should have been about 15 years ago right and then that Motley Crue reunion happened 15 years later where one of them might actually oh. drop dead on stage <laughs> see a photo of Mumbai's which looks like one of them already has the Beach Boys have probably taken less drugs uh, well I don't know but they were looking very old but they sounded exactly the same great gig so was music a big part of your childhood because it sounds weird for me to say this but music actually wasn't a big part of my childhood I've had this conversation with Sam several times um, music wasn't really a big deal to me until I turned about 21 21? Um, yeah man like uh, I don't make this about me but like music just wasn't something I really massively engaged with on, on a large scale until I was nearly nearly my 20s 21's probably a bit I'm exaggerating a bit there I want to say like maybe realistically 18 um, but moving, moving back to you was music a big part of your childhood from what you um, you're not going to remember everything from your childhood but from what you can remember did it play a role at all? not really no uh, not until not until I was about 16 um, and I was nowhere near rock music until I was 16 either um, and I'm, I'm moving ahead and I'll only touch on it now but it was university that shaped my music taste I just started kind of I'd sort of broken through a little bit into into enjoying music and then I went to university and everyone around me liked music and yeah it, it, it kind of went from there um, and it wasn't until the end of university where I really 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 got into music so no for my childhood it was I was into what everyone else was into, Eminem. I was just about to mention this actually, so uh, what was the centrepiece of your childhood then? Because for me it was wholeheartedly games. Yes, it was a big part. Uh, Lego. Okay, Lego cool, was man. huge, huge. And I still, I mean, I still get Lego and love Lego. I still get it for Christmas. Man, they just make money forever, yeah, Lego. They'll, and they'll, pay- they will still be around in 200 years. Absolutely. I watched a show on it the other day and they almost went bankrupt not long ago. Oh? That's that's unthinkable. We'll save that for a different podcast. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that for the Lego <laughs> special. <laughs> um, so yeah. yeah, so really, the childhood was you know were you were you big, were you big into school? Not um, many kids are. I mean, like, did you, did you see school as like a massive? Because there's a difference between like kids that are like, oh, school's boring because they're kids, and and kids that are like actively reject school because they that's not how they learn best by having someone point at them and tell them what they should be learning. I, I built that. That started to come when I hit sort of sixth form, weirdly enough. Uh, maybe I was a late bloomer at the... Actually, no, I don't think I, I like you telling me what to do. Um, primary school, I, I've got nothing but fond memories of primary school. And then I hit high school and I, eh, I was just kind of like one of those, I hate to say it, in-betweeners. Um, right. That just cruised through a little bit. I mean, it was... Yeah, I just kind of had a really sort of middle of the road school experience and came out with it was just an average experience with average grades that averaged out and I finished. Was there not a subject that you felt a special allegiance to in the slightest? Because you, you know, you, no, you're, you're an intelligent guy. Like it's not like I'd be surpri- I'm surprised to find out that you were like just you didn't really care for school at all because you no. were quite an intelligent lad. Nothing really inspired me and it's something that I've mentioned since when I've spoken to people and it, and it really annoys me now because neither business studies nor music inspired me to just jump in and, and go for it. 
and they're, they're the two things that I love mm. and I, I can't really understand why um, because I love it so much now I don't know whether that was in part because I wasn't ready to do it or in part because uh, music in school for me was let's get the keyboards out and everyone hits the DJ button and the oh my man we're, we're one and the same like whereas <laughs> even Sam did that like I, I know I used to be in Sam's lesson so I can attest that he used to do that but that said when for, for some kids there's there's a spark in these lessons that makes them go on to do things like like band stuff like I know that I know that Sam this is not a Chris meet Sam feature but Sam did a lot of music in school because he was he, he just there was something that sort of roped him in there was nothing yeah. like that for me and I kind of question question why um, for me the subjects that I took on were like IT geography history sociology a bit later on and that's what I ran with. So you generally tend to focus on like when you're at school more like the social aspect and then you just got through the actual academic side. Yeah. As opposed to the other the other way around. Yeah. Any regrets about that at all? I mean, obviously you've done well for yourself with sitting in your house. Um, it is a house. But like, you know, any... Because any, generally you find that, and in myself included, you know, you look back and you think, oh man, I can't believe I didn't like... I can't believe when I was 15 I didn't really throw everything I had at English to try and see if I could get an A star or something. I'm kind of I'm kind of right where I want to be if I'm honest. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident that that I'm in the right sort of area of work that I'm in that I'm doing the things that I love and I, I still believe that you can do those things even if you didn't do that well in school. Absolutely yeah. Um, my original idea while I was in school was to either join the police or to be a teacher. So a lot of what I did was was geared towards that. Um, and it was only really a year after university that I decided I didn't want to be a teacher. So that kind of, it was only at that point that I didn't really have my plan set out in front of me. What put you off to teaching? Um... Teaching. Finding out what it was actually like to be a teacher. Yeah, I, I'd actually applied and got into, as soon as we finished university, I'd applied and got into a teaching course that I just needed to do an interview for. Uh, I just so happened to be away at the time. Um, and I thought, you know what, actually I'll just take a year out. Um, and for in that time, I'll try being a teaching assistant. And that, I, within a matter of weeks, I was like, I do not want to be a teacher. Surprising that is because I knew you, I feel like, when you were working uh, with kids and you didn't seem to despise, like you didn't seem to have no. a distaste for it. Like you, no. you, you know, actually you speak quite passionate to me about it because I think I'm pretty sure I knew you back then. You did, um, yeah, yeah. But you, I'm, I'm assuming you just thought, okay, this isn't a bad career, but like this isn't, this isn't me 40 hours a week. The, the the problem is is that for a teaching assistant the job is 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 brilliant and I worked in special needs schools and behaviour schools so in terms of engaging work for me it was great yeah there was no boring days <laughs> I promise you <laughs> yeah I can, I can uh, assume and that is also for a separate podcast special uh, but um, seeing what teachers went through and what they do go through you have to have a and I've had this discussion with Sam yeah. you have to have to love what you do and if you don't love what you do you get beaten down by the rest of it and I just didn't quite feel passionate enough about it to continue it I knew I'd probably want to be one of those people that burnt out and just found the sort of politics a bit too much so you mentioned the cause as like the first you know artist that you remember yeah 
hearing and then listening to music as like a concept as opposed to something that's on in the background at the time who else are we talking about here because like you know for me it was like you know Michael Jackson uh, the yeah. Bee Gees my parents are massive on the Bee Gees uh, Oasis because of my brother um, Stereophonics because of my sister uh, what about for yourself and you feel other than the cause or was it just made, like every day wake just, up with the cause is playing on the background cause, cause. <laughs> um, I, I, do you know what I don't even remember up until the point where like we went I don't know what age we would have been when Busted came out uh, we would have been uh, 10 years old and I know that because I absolutely adored Busted Busted are a gateway band for for you getting into rock music. I mean yeah like it sounds ridiculous to say but no. yeah uh, kind of yeah absolutely um, something to say it's <laughs> not my interview he's coming in shortly don't worry <laughs> <laughs> pull that on the back burner <laughs> um yeah, I don't. I don't really, and with that, which is quite surprising because my passion for it was found so much later on. My dad was into. It. My dad was always listening to something, so there was always something on. But it was always the radio, or always eighties um, music, or just whatever he was kind of feeling at the time. He was always ripping CDs from Napster and LimeWire. Remember that? Ah, oh, LimeWire, man! I, I fucked up my home computer so much. Oh god! I hope my parents don't listen to this because I know it was me now. <laughs> but like, my parents don't listen to this. Um, <laughs> I downloaded uh, an absolute like smorgasbord of bullshit, like virus-infested files <laughs> to my PC yeah, uh, yeah. through LimeWire, man. That was the that was the good old days. So when I eventually get around to doing the Chris meet Sam, one of the things I'm really interested in doing is speaking to Sam about is childhood experiences with music and yeah, like yeah. his dad's absurdly large music collection that kind of stuff you didn't have that no um, not at all and you know let's pretend that it's you know because let's pretend it's a decade ago if someone would have said to you like hey guess what man in 10 years time you'll be sitting at this table in, you, in your own house and you'll be talking about how into music you are and how you've made music a business for yourself uh, what do you think your response would be to that I'd just be really confused I'm really, really confused. About having a house? <laughs> having the ability to be adult enough to have a house? Or? So much has happened in like the last two years, let alone uh, the last ten. I would, I'd probably have to have a sit down. <laughs> and someone would have to stroke my back for a short while. Um, and just coach me through it. So we're going to get interesting in a couple of minutes because we're going to get to university. Yeah, and that's where Sam yeah. comes in. Um, before that, um, why university? Because you'd... You basically said to me that towards the end of sixth form, you were kind of fed up of education, which yeah. isn't, you know, that's not an unusual story for kids um, once they're reaching their adult years because they want to be treated like adults, etc. And obviously, uni is a different level of responsibility because it is very much, you know, you've paid to go to university, so it's on you. Mm. But yeah. it is still education, it is still the concept of someone standing there telling you what you need to know. Yeah. Was was your decision to go to university based again around the social aspect, or had you decided, you know what, like maybe I could learn a completely new skill at uni and really chase this teaching job that at that time you wanted? It was a mixture of pretty much everything that you've said, combined with that feeling that that's what you were supposed to do. Yeah, I get that. Um, and at the time my girlfriend was you know very focused on on going to university um and had in mind exactly what she wanted to do which made me feel very much like i should have an idea about what i wanted to do um so 
and it's not that sixth form was a negative experience I actually really enjoyed it and it's probably the best that I did in my education in terms of engaging myself but I just felt really out of my depth and thought I was weighing up that okay on the one hand I feel really like I'm struggling here on the other hand I felt like well this is kind of what I'm meant to do isn't it and didn't really have an idea of anything else that was a possibility um, so I just I just did what everyone else did and just applied for a few universities because I was doing sociology in um, a level I thought I'll have a crack at doing sociology in um, in university and just see what happens it was it's a very general subject it's something that just it's just a, the study of society so there's so many aspects to it that I just thought well there's got to be something that interests me and I'll figure it out when I get there and that's that's kind of why and I just just sort of went for it using hindsight which is a wonderful thing uh, but also a dangerous thing depending on how you use it <laughs> you let's pretend you didn't go to university any ideas about the kind of direction you would have taken instead that is, that is a really good question I I have no idea I think something I think so I, I would have probably worked I was working at that time I was already doing a Sunday job in Debenhams in the shoes and bikinis department one off one on it was an experience um, <laughs> but I'd have probably worked and I'd have probably worked my ass off um, because I had a bug for that for working anyway yeah you're the, one of the hardest working guys I know uh, uh, I'm happy to say that I've strapped about no no dispute in my mind about that uh, mostly to the detriment of my own well-being but um yeah, I, I've, I've got a bit of a bug for working and I the, the moment that I got that, so that was when I was 16, I started working there on Sundays, over time I'd take it, extra hours, extra this, extra that, anything I was on top of and yeah, I loved it. So I would have gone down that route. To be honest, if I'd have stayed in Debenhams long enough, I'd probably be some kind of manager by now. Was your work ethic instilled into you by your parents or was it something that you organically just happened to have as a personality trait? I just enjoyed the fact that, because I even remember at the age of sort of 14, 15, even at that point I was thinking, I can't wait to be older. And have which money. I, which I know a lot of kids don't, everyone, everyone looks back at their childhood and says, oh, I'd, I'd love to go back. I wouldn't. I kind of love adulting. So the moment I could get to doing that, the sooner I could get to doing it, the better. I wanted to be able to be 18, to be able to go out, to be able to drive. Driving was a massive one. I wanted to be able to just, I was, I was clawing at the opportunity, the freedom of being able to do what you want almost. There was that kind of idea. Um, and earning my own money and doing my own thing. I just wanted to do as much of that as quickly as possible. That weird. So you went to uni. <clears throat> uh, went to uni. Why Worcester? Because, this is two-pronged, uh, because I looked at Cardiff didn't get the grades for that so that right. was straight out okay. Chester which um, yeah I bet you didn't know that did you? interesting yeah I know why as well <laughs> um, Chester uh, University to study uh, it was a, I threw a curveball in to study radio oh right okay cool okay I know it was a re just just really randomly I applied for three places with sociology that was Gloucester, Worcester and Cardiff and then Chester with radio I didn't know what it was 
I didn't know what he did. How do you do three years on radio? What do you do at the end of it? I don't know. But then I was like, sociology is just, it's, I could do more at the end of it, potentially. Well, I mean, it's pretty obvious what you have to do when you finish your radio degree. It's going to be radio. And what if I'd have got there and it was like, not the radio I'm thinking, as in, hello, I'm Jack, I'm on BBC Two. Yeah. So. Here are the cores. Here are the. <laughs> you're listening to Irish Hour. Folk well, jams with Jack. Welcome to the Devon and Shoe section. <laughs> Here's another one from the course. <laughs> okay, um, we're 20 minutes in. We've got to university now. Uh, I'm going to pass over to Sam just mm. for a few minutes. Sam, how did you meet Jack? Obviously, you lived next door in the same dorms. Um, talk to me about the first few experiences of meeting the, the owner extraordinaire, Jack Holloway. I actually lived directly opposite him. Um, so I remember I remember getting there on the Sunday. Jack had already been there for, for quite a little bit. You got there on the Saturday, hadn't you? Whenever they said I could go. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I got dropped off and I've been given like this big my girlfriend's mum at the time had given me this big cardboard box of like stuff like food supplies which for me was like chocolate biscuits and Doritos because that was covered in ketchup yeah 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 because that was pretty much all I ate at the time Um, pretty much even now actually and Jack happened to walk past and I I deliberately left my door open because I'd been there for like an hour and a half by this point and no one else was in the door (laughs) and I was like thinking to myself have I got here too early I'm already late I'm already behind I'm already like missing out on chances to meet people what the fuck's going on you were really nervy yeah I was I was really nervous. <laughs> and really conscious about making friends yeah yeah um, still am really um, and Jack happened to walk past and just sort of met him in the doorway he made some comment about the amount of biscuits that I brought <laughs> <laughs> I agreed it was an unnecessary amount of biscuits. It's like, who's this guy with 16 packets of chocolate digestives? I'm like, haha, wait till you find out that's all I fucking eat, mate. Um, and ketchup. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we just sort of got on a little bit and then we went on our first night out. Do you remember the first night out? No. Oh, I'm going to tell you about the first night oh, out. Oh, I do. All right. So um, the first night out we had, we it was me, Jack, and our friend Will. And. <laughs> yeah, uh, all right, my friend will. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's not what I love. That kind that oh, tells you everything I need to know. To be fair, though, um, I'm actually I'm actually going to their wedding next week, and uh, Will's marrying Jack's ex girlfriend. Okay, that kind of tells me everything. <laughs> okay, that's fine. That's we'll, a different podcast. Back yeah, though. okay, that's, man. That's not what you think it is. <laughs> he's, he's also a presenter on Welsh news. Yeah. So probably right, very okay. successful on radio, ironically. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you should have taken that radio course. Fuck's sake, Will. Um, so I, I remember the first night we did. So we had like pre-drinks and stuff. We started playing card games as, as is typical then, and we decided that. Can I preface this yeah. with I was not a school go to the park drinker. I was not a go out before I was eighteen. I had been out to a town twice prior to university. Man, that would be an eye opener. I could probably count the amount of beers I'd had on two hands. Wow. As you were. Um, I didn't necessarily go to town, but I was definitely a park drinker. 
um, for the much of my formative years. Yeah, yeah. Scummy around walls you had to. Uh, anyway, we decided to dress up um, as one giant dick between the three of us. So um, that's what two people in the testicle and one person is the shaft. Yes. No, um, we didn't do it like that. We had one was one was the balls, one was the shaft, and one was the head. Oh, right, okay. The but we didn't, we didn't have a, we didn't have a costume. We wore white t shirts and drew it on. Okay. Called ourselves the Incredibender. <laughs> yeah, we did. Um, and then we had individual names, but I can't remember what they were. Yeah. And this is like on one of your, like your first. I've known Jack for six hours, and I'm, I'm pretending to be a shaft. Right. Okay. So you were the shaft, weren't you? Yeah. I was the balls. Okay. So like. I still got that somewhere. Yeah, me too. University really dragged out my personality. Believe it or not, we're sitting here. You would not believe me telling you. So I was actually quite shy before I started university. Yeah. Sam, me and Sam didn't have a lot of engagement in school, but Sam would probably be like the first one of the first people to say, "Yeah, I wouldn't have expected Chris doing podcasting from how I knew him in school." So when I first went to university, it took me like a year and a half for it to teach me to reacquaint Michelle. Within six hours, three strangers, you're drawing dicks on each other's t-shirts. Yes. Um, yeah. How, how does that work? Is it just like, because I, I never lived in the halls at university. As amazing as times I had at university, if I could click my fingers and go back, I would. I didn't live in the halls, so I didn't experience that. When you're in the halls, is it like, you've got to just be like, <clears throat> just be open to anything because you've got to make friends because you've got to live with these motherfuckers for another year. You don't have a choice, uh, yeah, yeah. is essentially what it is. Um, I think between me and Will as well we were quite overtly confident as well by that point um, I know you weren't under the surface as in Sam wasn't under the surface but all of us were just kind of all it took was for one of us to kind of start and the rest were rolling with it kind of thing because we were all like okay I really want this experience who's ready for it and the first person was like should we I don't know draw a dick, dress as a dick. Yeah, and yeah. then uh, everyone else was like yeah fucking let's do it and it was just just from there it was like it was an incredibly immersive experience as well. That's the thing about, <laughs> that's the thing about uni, um, at, the, at those halls, you, you're surrounded by that. It's like being on a night out all the time. Like, you know, when you go on a night out, you wake up at a friend's house. But yeah, but you live there. Like, do you yeah. know what I mean? It's constantly in that, joking around, one-upmanship. You can't take anything seriously. We used to, you, 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 and it's sort of like you'd mock each other as a joke and things like that. But over, over, over the period of sort of like hours and the first few nights... We could become we could become fairly close quite quickly. We did. The I didn't even say the reason I went to Worcester is because everything is on one campus. They've got like all the halls are in one place. Um, it's got your laundrette, your shop, your student union type thing is all in is all internal. And places like Cardiff is it's sprawled across the city. Yeah, it's such a massive city. It's like, huge. Yeah. So you don't necessarily get that. I had if if I was going to university, the idea I had was that you're you're doing it. You go into halls and they're like dorms and you're joining fraternities and all of that shit. A lot of that didn't happen. But in terms of what we were speaking about, it's intense and it's close knit. And I purposely didn't go for the higher accommodation. I went for the bog standard accommodation. Yeah, me too. Yeah, for the reason of being in everyone's faces and getting to know people. You kind of didn't have a choice. Yeah. So the night out itself, what do you remember? How did it go? Um, at what point? Night one was all right. Yeah, night one was all right. So like, you've you've got you've dressed up as this uh, combined dick. dick. That night goes well, because was it was there an idea in the back of your mind that like, you know what, man, these two these two are sound, and I could, I, I might have a really really great time here. I d- I how how soon in how soon in are we talking that you was like, you know what, man, this is actually pretty wicked. I think I think on the for me for me personally, on the first couple of days, 
um, there was like a series of events that really set it as like these could legitimately be like really close friends for a long period of time. It's the, the first couple of nights out and getting home safe and things like that. That was that was quite like we were all like we all stuck together. It was quite tight knit, which is quite nice. Then we went to um, one of the first like initiation ceremonies and there was the uh, Wanru incident. Do you remember Stop this? Stop it. <laughs> Wham as in like the band George Michael. Oh, no, 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 no. He's telling you someone's name as in Wan Room. <laughs> oh, I thought you said the Wham Room as in like, <laughs> a room where you play um, Wham. <laughs> um, there was a first, uh, within the first couple of days, there was a, uh, a register uh, that was being handed out. You have to tick like, I've signed into my room, I'm living here now. Right. And we got all the way down and we'd realised there was a person that we hadn't met yet, that the name was just written in Chinese. Because that's their name. That was their name. Well, no, that's why it's written in Chinese. <laughs> yeah. There was also an English translation next to it, which I think was Lexi. Like that was her name or the given name. Because some of them were like they had Chinese names, but they created English names. Like there'd be like Chinese dudes walking around called Gary. And, and she was just unfortunate gonna, enough to live in the same halls as you. I'm going to interject because Sam's entirely wrong on his recollection of this oh, story. Okay. On this register, there was a. Oh, this is so bad. This might not make it in. Um, there was a whole list. Of people's names and there was quite a large amount of Chinese people that went to Worcester University right and we knew that one of the people staying with us or one of the people in the halls was Chinese we just hadn't found out who it was yet oh we christened her one room so we yeah, just went down the list and picked a name <laughs> and then said it must be this person and we were calling her that for six months when her real name was actually Lexi uh, yeah, not one <laughs> You say you called that for six months. Did she leave after six months? Uh, no, but Sam tried to make her. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, uh, there was there was there was there were several issues with the lady, though, weren't there? Can we be honest? Stop it. Yeah, there were several issues with the lady. So um, first of all, um, there was lots of like random. I can't I can't even remember all this. Every every so often, um, she would invite like. I want to say like between fifteen and twenty of her friends around for dinner in in the the halls kitchen. The halls kitchen. Which, I've been in several halls of residence kitchens. Half they the size are. of this. So yeah, yeah. Twenty people in there cooking like a variety of stuff that left like I'm not joking. There was one point where she cooked something with saffron, and it left an eye searing sting every time you entered the room. <laughs> it was like someone had let enough like a petrol bomb <laughs> inside. This continued at least once or twice a week. For like, but, uh, and on top and of half. this, we didn't speak. Was the problem? It was very much. So come in. There was, there was you know. six people in our in our hall, um, one of which was a mature student. Yes, Charlotte. Charlotte. <laughs> I'm sorry. The way you two just looked at each other, then that was the greatest thing I've seen in a while. That was fucking. <laughs> Came out with us on the first night. Didn't speak to us for the next eight months, and had a massive argument with her lesbian lover, and ran out screaming in May, and that was the only other time. And the one great second. white. <laughs> one second. One second. Great white buffalo. I'd forgotten about her. So there was a girl as well who lived next to me on the other side. So Jack lives opposite. She is there. And she came out on the one night, left after like an hour, and stayed in her room for the next nine months apart from to scurry out and get food and scurry back in. There was a, there was a film that we'd watched during what that period fuck? of time. Where they talk hot about hot tub time machine, hot tub time machine. And they talk about the great white buffalo, 
which is like a secret animal that you only mentioned. You're only talking like Dorset towns. <laughs> and he was like, Grow a buffalo, grow a buffalo. And every yeah. time she left, it was like a sighting of an exotic animal. So that was how we started. And spoke. I, would, I would rush into Sam's room. Sam, 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 I've seen her. I've seen her. I've seen her. She's there. We'd, we'd, we'd go with there. 10 nets, follow her into the kitchen. <laughs> I, I, I think we'd be on the sofa at one point while she was cooking. <laughs> We so, weren't good humans. That is amazing. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, what yeah. was what I was gonna say is my original point. There was stuff like that that happened constantly. And by the second night, Jack got so atrociously wankered he actually <laughs> tempered his own drinking for the next six months and uh, was lying on the stairs of a nightclub throwing up on himself. And but there was lots of moments where like he was right, just don't let my hair down anymore. Um <laughs> Till tomorrow. Till okay. tomorrow. But there were lots of like little moments where we just have such a laugh and we seemed to get along, started getting on really, really well. Yeah. And then me and Jack started getting along a little bit musically within like the first couple of weeks. I to bring it back in. I, I I brought an acoustic guitar with me to to the, the halls because I'd I'd only learned I started learning guitar like a year and a half before, and I couldn't take a drum kit obviously, and I was just sort of hoping that would be a conversation starter. To be frank, so I remember like as people were coming in, I remember like leaving it by the door, or like I would like deliberately start playing it. Someone would walk past, hoping that we could have like. Without walking around the room, being like, "Do you like music? Do you like listening to bands? Do you want to listen to yeah, bands?" Yeah, man, I was having play chords and that. stuff. So um, we started conversations through that. So it was like, "All right, we're we're having a laugh, we're getting on." And and then on top of it, there's this burgeoning starting musical connection, and that's that's I think by sort of October it became quite clear we were we were, we were friends like quite solidly. And that's where I'll come back to you, Jack. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so by October, you and Sam are friends. Sam, his life, I would say. 65% of it thus far has, has been revolved around music. Yes. Was Sam, you meant you kind of briefly alluded to it earlier, was Sam the first person to be like, here's this massive encyclopedic knowledge of music that I have and you will live with me for the next three years so you may as well just take part in me trying to explain to you why this piece of music is great. Um, was that kind of how it worked? Like, oh, you have ears, so you must like music. Sit here and listen to this that I like. Essentially, yeah. I invited it in because I think just before, towards, through sixth form, I started, you start to find yourself a little bit, don't you, in, uh, if you haven't already. Yeah. Um, I caught, I kind of changed. I know I'm going back a little bit, but it's kind no, of... No, go on, please. I, I changed, I changed my friends group. I met a friend that I'm still friends with now. We bonded over music, so we went from that busted era type pop rock to All Time Low and You Me at Six and and Paramore and and all bands that I love and still and, and, and those them. sorts of uh, yeah yeah. Um, but did you say you do not? He said I do not. Yeah, dude, you can't say you're surprised that Sam. Just... Sam. <laughs> Fucking wetty. Yeah, I'm the wetty for not enjoying pop punk. <laughs> So I'd already I already started to find a liking for rock music or pop rock music, should I say? Because you'll shout at me otherwise. But yeah, I'd, I'd kind of had that. So I was like that guy going into uni that was ready to absorb something. That yeah. Sam, and Sam only needed a tiny bit of that, and and he was in. All oh, right, okay. So you like a bit of music? Let me show you this. Let me show you that. And we. As time went by, we spent so many evenings just staying up till four in the morning, watching music documentaries, listening to music, just kind of discovering new music together. And over the three years, then it just got heavier and heavier and heavier, as well as broader. 
and my sort of tastes sort of spanned out. So by year two, we're showing each other music. And yeah, it, Sam was a huge, huge, which I haven't really thought about before. Cheers, Sam. But yeah, it, it was, it, it, I don't think, I don't think it would have, I think it would have fizzled out and I would have just kind of listened to bits of everything that I enjoyed, but not had that real passion for music. Sam's mentioned to me that basically <clears throat> within one year, you two were best friends. And sooner than that. Like Christmas. And <laughs> you had kind of like understood how fortunate you both were that it just so happened that you were living opposite each other. And you know, whether you believe in fate or not, I personally do, but like whether you believe in fate or not, yeah, it's quite a coincidence at the very least that you happen to be living like opposite each other. What kind of experiences do you remember that really like form that bond because I, I had a, a really good friend at uni well, I didn't live in the halls but I had a really good friend at uni that to this day like I think I spoke to about a year ago just to say hope you're doing well man we were we were like we saw each other every day like we were close yeah but like we were nowhere near as close as, as from what I've been just told you and Sam were at uni so what kind of experiences took you two from this really wicked lad that lives across the way that he's so fun of a great lad for him we have get pissed it's fun to man this guy's my best friend like full stop like I couldn't fucking I can't imagine living life before I met this guy now I think this was my first experience of my enjoyment for building a team of or a friendship with a team of odd jobs and, and weirdos and there's a reason I say this because uh, I, I, I'm almost like a recruiter <laughs> you'll know what I'm on about yeah 100% and I just um I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is because we, me and Sam built this really, really strong friendship over music. Um, we were friends really, really, really quickly uh, and knew we would be for the three years, as I'm sure you would have with, with this friend. But, yeah. Um, we, we added to that group and we added to our friendship almost yeah. the, with people that were on the periphery of it. And, you know, um, sort of in my sociology class, I found someone that was slightly into music because Sam had got me into music at that point. I was like, you, you should live with us in year two. You like music, live with us, live with us, live with us. And then he did. And then there was someone else that lived below us who was also on my course that was like, you kind of like music. <laughs> live with us, live with us, live with us. And we built like this, this, this group of us. And at the time there was the, the kind of five of us that were really close, but especially, especially us four, minus Will, nothing to do with my ex-girlfriend were all into the same mood you know we were all into rock music of different sorts and we could then all bond around music but it just kind of strengthened and built what me and sam had and the reason for us continuing that i i, I don't know it's just because we just liked each other uh, it sounds like a relationship i always actually say and this is the kindest compliment i can give i got nothing out of uni sociology was shit uh, spoiler. Uh, I didn't really come away with any friends aside from Sam, so I just call him a really uni for me was just buying Sam as a really expensive friend. That is a, that is a very nice thing to say, um, Sam. Anything specific that you remember where? Oh, there's more. Because there's more. there are <laughs> there are certain yeah. moments between a friendship, like where you yeah. could probably point out where, like that's where we went from like being bros to like. This guy's my best friend now. I remember. Like, like, I've got a specific memory between myself and you where I remember. I know um, what memory he's going to say. That I remember, like. Oh, yeah? I don't know. I think so. <laughs> but we'll see. Because I remember a moment where, like, I was like, oh, me and some of my best friends now. Like, it's just like this instant click. 
anything specific that stands out to you that you remember thinking this he's not a roommate now like he's like a bro best friend and I can't believe that I haven't spent 16 years with this guy yeah going on drives yeah um, there was the the what 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 Jack used to do is is what I always respected most about Jack when he was friends is he's an incredibly incredibly gallant and honourable person and that sounds really really silly but for me like Jack would I would go I would go out for cigarettes because I, I smoked from the moment I, I came to uni pretty much throughout the whole thing like a chimney really much more than I do now and Jack would come out for fags with me and just have chats and we'd have conversations and I'd I'd pop in and we'd talk about stuff and then it started to go from music to just things in general. I remember having my first assignment um, was like you have to do an interview with somebody in your halls. And I've still got that. Mm-hmm. I've still got it. I forgot that. And we did an interview about like his life, so similar, similar to stuff like this, but his child memories and things like that. But the and that started to build. We weren't just friends that enjoyed drinking around each other. We started to become like real personal connections. But I remember what one thing in the first year is it was one of the few weekends that Jack had his car up, and I think it was it was still winter time, and. We'd, we'd gone round another house for some food and some drinks and then me and Jack had decided if we wanted to go for a drive because neither of us wanted to go to bed and have a lecture the next morning. I tended not to sleep until the early hours anyway. I tended not to go to lectures so I might have had one. <laughs> yeah, that's also very true. And we went on a drive um, around like Worcester around all these sort of areas. Listen to music like cranking stuff up like rolling the window down having long conversations about what we wanted to do and where we wanted to live next year and things like that and our friends and that, that was always really interesting for me for me and for me and Jack I found is that we would spend time with all four of us and then me and Jack would have conversations later and dissect the time that we just had with those four people Yeah. and I wouldn't do that with anybody else it was like me and Jack would spend time away talking about the night out or talking about our dynamics with friends and oh did you remember so and so said that I thought that was really strange and all this sort of stuff and then we'd started to like sort of like work on some music stuff together and started to write stuff together as well like I had loads of like little acoustic bits that Jack was starting to put lyrics to and we were messing about with things like that and that brought us together as well so it be, it stopped being like we were just spending time as a collective me and Jack started to spend time because I wasn't doing the same course as Jack so I didn't spend that time with him at uni. But I would go different places. But when it really started to solidify is when me and him would start spending late nights together, going on drives, writing stuff and watching things. And then talking about everybody else, like in a positive way, but just in the way that the, the friends would, the way me and you have done. Yeah, yeah we, were quite, we were quite, we're, and we still have it, like a really reflective uh, relationship where we would just look at things, appreciate things a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of what I remember, and especially when we came out of the first year of, of uni and went into our second we, we went all out and bought this mad house not bought it rented it yeah £127 not, a week not per person not bought it that much uh, how much was it for you? £127 a week per per, per week per person yeah. that was the average price man we need to buy a uni house <laughs> uh, yeah she made some money out of us oh she rinsed us but it was worth it why? because we had a we, we had f- four yeah the good basement four floors six of us living there this was actually, funnily enough, the point where we all sort of um, weren't friends with two of the guys we were living with because you just didn't see them. That's how big the house was. You could literally not see anyone for days if you wanted to, just hide in your room. It was a different floor to somebody else. Man, it was great. Yeah, but super. we had a balcony that overlooked pretty much the whole of Worcester. Um, and the, the, amount, the, we'd buy that place the amount of nights that right. we spent sat on that veranda, either if it was cold, blankets on, guitar mm. out, Sam's having this fagging up 
and we would just do exactly the same as what we said. We would talk and we would chill. From the second year as well, I had my car permanently because I was like, I need it. <coughs> so, um, so it just multiplied. Yeah. Getting back into the music side of stuff. Yes. So we've got to the point now where you and Sam are best friends and Sam, this large encyclopedia of all kinds of music, but more specifically alternative than anything else that I've noticed. Whether Sam's secretly a blues aficionado, but I haven't picked up on it yet. <laughs> um, you guys still talk about fucking reggae. Right? I'm sure he's got <laughs> something to say about it. <laughs> Who was the first band that you remember listening, like really falling in love with? Like the, the cores were given to you as like a prerequisite to your childhood so yeah. obviously you'd always have an affinity for the cause but who was the first band that you personally discovered and you were like man this is amazing I love this you know who this is I want you to tell me and, and I give know me why the details and it is a band that at the same time as I said that I was getting into uh, you know I had Yumi at six and all the time low and all those yeah. bands sort of under my belt uh, with Linkin Park of course um, as it was for thousands and millions of people of, of our age of course um, which was the album because not necessarily it wasn't the album oh. it was it was a it was a, a song came on on youtube after something else and it was lying from you which is which is one of their heavier ones yeah but i was really into final fantasy at the time final fantasy 7 and awesome. someone had made awesome. a um like a compilation video of all the cool bits from it with lying from you as as the song and i was like I love Final Fantasy 7 I'm digging this it sounds really cool to this song I'll get this song and then like spurred on by the fact that I was having all of these conversations with Sam my mind was racing I was like I just want just give it to me I want music 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 I want to absorb every bit of music there's ever been was kind of like my mentality at this point and I just I just and this was me hooking on them sort of at a later point in time uh, got into Meteora first Weirdly, no, that's not. Weird. I was going to say it doesn't necessarily have to be hybrid theory because Meteora is also a ridiculous album as well. So, and by the time that I was listening to them, I think they were doing their, they were reflecting on the A Thousand Suns cycle that they just yeah, done, yeah. and working on Living Things, which was their next one. Mm. Yeah, and I just, I at that point in time, I almost for a really sped up period of the year of my life I went through everything everyone else had gone through from the ages of like 12 to 16 yeah uh, I did all of that in the first year of, of university so it connected with me at that point um, and which it has since it was Lincoln Park it's fascinating for me to sit and talk to both of you because I can see the similarities between yourselves you mentioned something just about you stumbled across this video where Final Fantasy VII was playing and then Linkin Park, someone's playing the back, and you're like, oh, this is, you know, this is wicked. Sam, actually, I remember you telling me before that um, you, you, you were like, you were watching the NFL and you were kind of into it, and then before one of the Super Bowls, they played this trailer which had to like, collapse in the background. Remember that video? I remember um, that. And there was this video of like, as the players are hitting each other, the, the beat was really kicking in, and you've actually taken time to show me this before. Um, that song got me into NFL. That video and that song yeah, so is what you showed and me. That, we watched that and started getting into sometimes. And yeah. the reason why I've mentioned that isn't because I'm going to go a question from that. It's just interesting to interesting for me, like how similar you two are, even though you came from literally like other opposite ends of the spectrum, really. Yeah. Um, but you're actually like so similar, you know. That um, if Sam doesn't stumble across that NFL video, 
maybe you wouldn't be as into America. Maybe you wouldn't be into NFL as much because no. maybe you would treat NFL the way you treat Major League Baseball. Like you, yeah. you pay, you know who people are, but you're like, oh, yeah, it's cool, I guess. Yeah, I think that's very um, fair. And I, I just, I just thought that was interesting to point out, man. That's uh, that's a nice little thing there, I guess. Um, so Linkin Park, and, and you, you're fully on board now. You're like, okay, give me all the alternative music. At some point, because you're you're not quite um, as into the extreme stuff like me and Sam are, but you might you dabble, and there's a lot of bands that I've discovered just from like sitting in your car holding absence being one of them. At what point were you really starting to brainstorm, be like Linkin Park, sick bands, hybrid, uh, sick albums, hybrid through Meteor, um, and then moving on to another band like oh, I don't have to remember they just released this new album. Da, da, da. Uh, was was it like kind of immediate like a surgery into Linkin Park? It's like this brainstorm starts like, da, 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 and you're piecing all these bands together, doing all these amazing things, and you're finding Slipknot, and you've, yeah. then you're finding Stone Sour and maybe a bit of Stained. Is that how it worked like instantly? Yeah, there was there was a combination of Sam pushing it down my throat. So he was like, okay, I get you're into this. It's kind of cool, but listen to these guys because they're better. And he was really narrow minded at the time. So he really? was like, <laughs> more so than now. Yeah. and he yeah. was like listen to this no. like it or I don't like you um, <laughs> combined with the fact that we found that there was a rock night on Thursday nights um, so that was your Saturday nights basically and the we, Thursday started, nights, we yeah. started coming away from that kind of usual club night and the four of us would just start going to this really empty rock night I played Creeping Death the first time imagine what I did <laughs> oh my god mate oh. yeah. um, and I, I was I was loving it I was also there on my phone on what was it at the time like Soundhound or something like yeah. that like, like Sh- my, Shazam yeah Shazam. Shazam yeah and my yeah. phone was next to the speaker like watch this and I'd add it to a playlist I got yeah. really sort of that's um, sick I love that man you got obsessive I got, I got really obsessive with there, it there really, really quick where it's like I'd show my song at 8 o'clock by 7 o'clock the next morning Jack was still awake because he downloaded everything that band had ever done oh you an obsessive person no it just so happened that you well, became obsessed with Well, I don't know, maybe you should go and get music. my wife in and she'll tell you <laughs> if I am or I'm not. I, no. I, want, to, I want to disagree entirely with that. But, but um, when when we started... But, like... All right, do you want to okay. tell him your process of recruitment when you first started noise blogging? Oh, can we put a pin in that for just a, okay, few, just a right. few minutes till we right. get there? Then I'll, then, I'll go, then, I'll go, then I'll go elsewhere then. <laughs> um, Jack, Jack would listen to one song and then spend hours downloading literally everything that band had ever done. I was full tilt. Um, he also he also did this with games and TV shows. <laughs> so oh, okay. um, yeah, thank you. So in the second, it was the second year, he found this show called Nikita, and I never saw him for seven days. Absolute banger of a series. Just got it. Oh, just he just I just didn't see him. I, I, every three days, I just knock on his door and he just just check that he was alive. You're right, Jack. Yeah, yeah. Been, Nikita. He's, he's just been, <laughs> he's been eating so crisps fit. for five days. He's still in the same pair of pants. Um, and then in the first year, near the end, um, he started playing Mass Effect. You remember the first Mass Effect? Oh, mate, the first Mass Effect was tremendous. And this was he, number three. He he played it still tremendous. He played it so often over the last couple of weeks. We'd all come and see him and say, "Like, he'd never come out of his fucking room during this period of time." And he got to the end. We'd seen him playing the game enough that we all knew where in the game he was. So when he all finished, we were all sitting on his bed watching him finish the game because he'd been like two and a half weeks in and that was the only way we were able to speak to him <laughs> he's talking to the back of his head while he's fucking shooting some aliens or whatever and then I came, we all came in one day he was like Jack you want to get some food he's like I'm nearly finished now boys <laughs> and we all just sort of sat down and sat with him and watched it was, him finish um, this game it was one of those hilarious uh, really anticlimactic moments because Mass Effect 3 has one of the most sort of 
out there. Divisive and Divisive yeah. out there. And I know after I've completed it, they ended up putting plugins in and, and additions to make you be able to get a bit more Move out forward, of it. Move forward, yeah. Um, not feel completely crushed yeah. like I did. Yeah. Um, and it was one of those moments that all of them had come in. There was about six of us in the room and I'm, I'm there and playing it. I'm not speaking to anyone. I'm just like, leave me alone. Uh, you can sit here if you like. You can eat all my crisps. I have loads of crisps. And, Too many um, crisps. So many crisps. Sam bought briskets. And, um, <laughs> and ketchup. <laughs> ketchup. Like, what am I going to do with these? Um, He's had 15 bucks left. I've seen someone in savory to offset it. Like, <laughs> just in his coat, and he opens it up. He's like, who wants to digest it? All soap, cheeses, and flavours here. Anyone <laughs> <laughs> looking for rich tea? And everyone was just like, oh, Jack, Jack, because they were like, we're watching the game, they're watching me, like, you enjoy it. Yeah, we, we and I was like, like, I don't know what was going on. I was like, that's fucking shit. Absolutely <clears> shit. <throat> and then the mood just went down, and there wasn't that big, like, moment you'd imagine when you were like, fuck yeah, he's finished, yeah. It was like, because it's ev- such a divisive ending. <laughs> it was like, everyone, get out. I am not ready to look at anyone. <laughs> that was fucking shocking. I'm fuming. And yeah, that, that was that. I'm going to fast forward to the end of university before we go a little bit backwards back into university because I want to speak to you about the beginning of noise. Um, your greatest memory from university? Oh, that's difficult. Okay, that is difficult. Like maybe the first thing that just pops you because I've literally because I've got now script here that I haven't like preempted you, so I've dropped that on you. The, like maybe the most the thing that if I said to you if I say university, the first thing you think of uh, is sitting out on that balcony with Sam. Sam. Um, it's it's not it's not far off from that. It's um some of the some of the parties we used to have when we used to have all, okay. all of our friends together, and we used to have myself, Jack, Will, Gooch, Zach, and then Will be bringing all of his friends up pretty much every other fortnight. And I remember, I remember one we all used to play in this quiz game, and we were playing this quiz game. It's written by a guy called Hot D. It's called Hot D's Quiz Game, and he wrote questions about himself that you all had to get, and if they weren't, they were horrible 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 stuff you had to do instead so Sam enjoys this as a memory I lived in fear uh, yeah but I just I remember that I just remember lots of times looking around in a, in a massive house in our second year five of the people that I literally cared about the most my girlfriend used to come up at the time as well and I just remember lots of opportunities where I used to step back and do like a pan and look and I've never been happier honestly looking around that sort of time so the, so the, the, bal- the balcony memories are absolutely incredible um, when we used to write songs um, yeah. There was on, on, like work on stuff downstairs. There was one time we wrote a song until like four or five in the morning. The um, the one with the dual vocal thing at the end. Oh. Do you remember? And tomorrow never comes. Yeah, that's the one. Tomorrow never comes. And we spent we spent all night working on it, and like we'd finished it, we'd written it, and then we like we sort of we watched some Springsteen stuff because obviously I, I made that happen, and and it was just those sort of memories as well. So yeah, a combination of those two, I think. Rewind back now. Uh, you're in university. You have now got a friend uh, and ended up being a best friend that would teach, that would show you this, you know, this plethora of music that you'd never been exposed to. Now you've become obsessed with music and you really care about it now. And then one day you're sitting in your room in your first, second, second year and you decide to start a blog. It wasn't actually until the third year. 
Wasn't that until the third? Oh was, shit, I thought it was earlier than that. And it was as I was leaving. You know, as you were so. leaving? Right, okay, so um, let's just talk for a short while about you, because you starting a blog doesn't actually equate to what noise is now. In fact, it's a million miles away. So yeah. let's just rewind to you're sitting, you're sitting in your room. You did a sociology degree. So you didn't do a degree that was in writing or did do a degree that would suggest that you might end up doing something that would be quite to a blog. What's the thought process? Are you just bored in your room and thinking, what if I just started writing what I think is good on the internet? I... <laughs> what a way to phrase it. Yes. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's what a lot of people do, including me. That's what I did too. Um, I very quickly realised that sociology was like, meh. I realised what I could get away with and it was 100% coursework. There was no exams and I didn't really need to go in. So I uh, shelved that and thought, right, I want to do something with myself. So aside from gaming and sitting in my pants, I was like, I just want to make the most of it. Sam was always there for those opportunities So and it was always music related. So it just kind of brought it out of me a little bit. It was just a, a lot of, it, it became a bit of an, an outlet for for me to just just write things on I'm I am obsessive aren't I yeah yeah it, it became it became I, I started in my sociology like you remembering lessons right yeah yeah I don't have the time to now which is this is a different thing so that's why I said it you know how um, you know how like when you follow a, a, a an account on Twitter and they automatically send you an automatic message thanks for following yeah so let's check out I used to type those out individually <laughs> um, to everyone that he that he followed and they did this hundreds of times a day for weeks I'm not going to touch on that because that's goes into noise territory but that's, that's, I yeah I, I, I found it that. I found it an amazing outlet for me to be able to just write and I, it's one thing for me now that I'm the furthest away from I don't I don't write lyrics or put my thoughts on paper um, but it was a really cathartic experience for me it was amazing doing so with Sam because Sam had a guitar and he enabled me to be able to just and we got so comfortable with each other I'd have a sing song with him and it just it just fired something up in me that I was just like I love this I love that I'm discovering things that I'm feeling things I haven't felt before sounds like we're in a relationship kind of weird basically work yeah um, and yeah it was just really it was like a really anything I was going through anything we were doing it, it was just amazing to be able to know that that night he'd awake because he was very nocturnal and he'd be he'd be ready to do music in any way shape or form and I just threw myself at it it was just what I did instead of uni and procrastinated with that for three years you start writing the blog um, at the start are you, do you oh, literally like, I'm on about like the bare bounds at the very very start are you just literally writing like posts on Linkin Park are sick not quite right so in the third year in a kind of somber way I I actually started to be more removed from from the group I um, I met my now wife Monse awesome. who um, was living in Cardiff so I was doing a long distance relationship for like a year and a half um, so as the relationship <clears throat> continued I was kind of going back and forth Cardiff a lot more I started work at that point in a bar um, called Live Lounge in Cardiff uh, that had live bands, cover bands, all shit. But at the time I was like, this is wicked. Um, Like-minded individuals in terms of their music tastes and things like that. So I was going back and forth there quite a lot. Um, for From that. Worcester? Oh yeah. 
Fuck. Weekly, if not more. Yeah, we drive, start driving back at like 10 o'clock at night from college. I'd go on a night out, not drink, and then go at the end of the night out, I'd drive home. Oh, shit. That's, that's heavy. It's fine. Yeah. It's only an hour and a quarter. Mm, it's an hour and a quarter now. Isn't it? Um, so hour, you were saying hour and four minutes as the wind blows. Right. <laughs> that's still that's the least incriminating yeah. way I can say it. That's yeah. still um, that's still quite a commitment. Um, so yeah, sorry, you were saying you now work at the live lounge and you you're thinking about starting this blog. So I was still really obsessed with music at that point. Every time I did go home, and I was still I was still uh, at university weekly. I would still go to my lectures at that point and be doing stuff and going out with the guys. Like it got it went down. It went down to like two three days a week. I was like half and half. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Mont said, "Why don't you put it on paper?" Is kind of how the conversation started. Um, you know, I. I didn't really know what I was doing with it. I just just love music. She said, you love music so much, why don't you write about it? I was like, that's a cool idea. Um, at that similar point in time, this was like 2013, I got a job in Fuel Rock Bar <coughs> in Cardiff, um, where well, it's a rock and metal club. So I just asked the owners whether I could start reviewing the shows that were on there. I'd work the back bar and I'd said, you know, can I just be kind of watch on the back bar while the gigs are on? I'll do a live review of it and then I'll I'll kind of uh, write it up on, I made a blog spot page. Um, and then I just sent out feelers to different, it's, this is Obsessive Jack coming in. I thought, oh, well, I'll send some, I kind of went into it thinking I would love to get free music and be able to go to shows for free. That's what, that's my goal with this. At the time, I was buying ridiculous amounts of stuff from HMV. I'm buying posters. I'm buying CDs. I'm buying. Uh, I was like, should I have a vinyl collection? Glad I didn't yet. And I was like, there's surely there's got to be a way I can get this for free. Um, and that and that's kind of how I did it. So yeah, I I was reviewing the shows. Bands would give me free tops, free CDs. I was like, yes, this is this is definitely I've now got my wardrobe sorted. I've now got I've got my music collection. Um and started putting my cards. I made some cards that I had on the side so people could just take them. Uh, and it just went it just just grew. It just grew. Who was the first person that you remember asking, can you write for me as well? And I'll put it on my blog spot for you. <sighs> I tackled every single person I knew so I, I remember speaking to Sam and said if you're ever at a show do you fancy putting it on the site <clears throat> I roped in friends from home I roped in my mate John from home my mate Zach at the time I said you know um, because really 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 quickly um, I started getting a lot in so I started once I'd got through a couple of local bands um, it seemed that once you've got a publication ish or once you've got a name that's not hi I'm Jack Holloway and I write about things it was Hi, I'm Jack Holloway. I've set up this thing called Noise, and then I write about things. People were really, really keen to engage with it. So, all of a sudden, people are asking me to go to, to the shows, and I'm like, "Well, I'm not working on that night." Or, "Oh, I'm doing a show, but it's over the road in Club Back, or "I'm doing a show, and it's in uh, Ten Feet Tall." Whatever it is, like, there's loads of venues at this point in Cardiff as well. So it's like, I can't do all this on my own. So I was like, "Simon Fancy helped me. Right, who's all my musical friends?" And I got in touch with everyone of my musical friends and said. Fancy doing this. So already I was without realizing 
kind of growing it and it wasn't my intention at the time it was still it was still under under like a blogspot page my blogspot page but before I knew it, I had six people writing for me and and they were going to shows and stuff and I was just soul editing everything but at the time I had loads of time to do stuff as well so I'm I'm writing something on it every single night and then the moment that I started to you know I had I would make friends in in bands that would then be have management or have a PR label oh you you know and they would say oh you we don't actually do that we can't send you our press kit but here's the contact for our PR label so go and go and ask them and once you're on their mailing list you never come off and it was just one after the other and I quickly realized then oh wow that's that's kind of how it works cool uh, I'll I'll do a bit of that so I got in touch with loads of PR labels and before I know it I'm sitting on like 500 emails a week and I'm like I need help yeah. um, and that it just one after the other the more I took on in terms of in terms of the work the more people I brought into it and it just it, it just went up because <clears throat> eventually it gets from you just doing things as a pastime to all of a sudden you need like a staff list to manage this yeah how far into the journey were you like oh this can't be a solo adventure I, I, I need a full on yeah. list of people to help me with this so Noise has only actually been going for five years it was set up in 2014 mm. as I was tail and coming out of uh, university so um, it was kind of on a needs basis it was when I realised that I was starting to work myself or running myself ragged on something I was like I need someone else doing this for me or with me um, and then I would pull in one of the people that had been with me for a while and said would you do this yep yeah, cool palmed a little bit of my responsibility off continue something else gets quite a lot um, and rope someone else in and over time built up not only like a, a staff list but then a sort of management list of people as well so a list of people that were just going to kind of run the things and do the things I couldn't do on my own but for the first for the first two two and a half almost three years of it I was doing it all really like I was only bringing on people to either write review shows do interviews or whatever I was editing everything I was typing everything I was yeah it was relentless so this sticks out in my mind quite strongly is Sam was um, discussing with me when once we had become friends again I remember um, I saw you in Royal London one night um, I, can't remember, I can't remember who you were with I can't remember who I was with but I saw I saw you you were with work friends I think I was with work friends actually that makes that makes sense I have and no idea who I, was. I hadn't seen you in years um, and I was like mate are you getting on? You were like, good, good, you know, we had the general, like, oh, now he's kind of turned to an acquaintance kind of chat. And he was like, I'm just about to go out for a cigarette, like, if you fancy coming out for one. And I was like, it was freezing cold, so I was like, <clears throat> yeah, I'll come out. That's how he um, gets you, like Yeah. That. But, like, the thing is, and this, this again, this will come into, the, like, when I interviewed Sam, like, I was on, like, a really high respect level for him, so I was like, Sam wants to talk to me, so I'll go and talk to Sam. And he was saying that, like, 
Oh, you know, because I was talking to him, he was like, so what are you doing? And I said, oh, well, I'll just work a game at the minute. Um, I'm in my final year at uni. But I really want to just be a music journalist, really. I've, I've realised I've, I wanted sports journalism when I was like 18, but now I've really put on the back burner. It turns out music's this big thing that I really want to do. And he was like, well, I've got this friend, you know, that I went to university with, and he's got a, a website. And guess what? They've just interviewed children at Bodham. <laughs> he was like, can you believe that? They've just interviewed children at Bodham. Yeah. And that's, looking back now, that seems... They did at the time, though. Yeah. yeah. That, and that, that's the point. Did. That seems like quite humorous. I don't mean any disrespect to children of bottom here, but like where we've got to now as a site, like a, a, an email saying do you want to interview children of bottom would be somewhat standard that we'd receive almost every day now for where we've got to. And that was when I first got on board. Sam was because at that point I was like, if someone wants me to write about music for them, I will write about music for them. I wasn't very good. But if someone just gives me the opportunity, maybe I'll get better. And Sam was like, well, would believe it or not, he was like, yeah, I've got this mate who's, I mean, you haven't got close yet, but like, he was like I've got this mate who's with the website. Like, this is now Jack Holloway. I can't remember that I had I added you or he told you about me and you added me or whatever. S- sooner or later, it turns out that I'm writing for you now. You're sending me the odd review. And I can say this to you now, but I, I used to... I used to send you reviews and they wouldn't go up on the site till like weeks and weeks and weeks later and I'd be like that's strange I mean, I'd sent in this site nearly a month ago it's not up and then it wasn't until Sam me and Sam got close to give me the full SP that mate he does this on his own no one's helping him like six seven writers sending these reviews he's got a job and like a life to lead and he's doing all of this on his own um, was there any was there any thought in your mind early on to be like Okay, this was cool for six months, but I can't do this now. So I'm, yeah, this was cool, and I can say I give it a go, but I'm going to pack this in because it's too much for me. It actually got quite dangerous for me in terms of the amount that I'd taken on and the amount that I was doing in my life. Um, and it was probably the first time that I really realised you've you've got to review this and have a look at it. I, I was working, I was working a day job, a night job, and a job in the middle. Figure that out. Uh, almost six, sometimes seven days a week, plus doing noise. So noise would just be something that I would do when I get back, like middle of the morning. The ten minutes that you had at home. Yeah, sometimes. Um, it's not a sob story, so I'm not going to go into it. But it was it was really intense at the same time, like 2014. I mean, at this point, it would have been would have been like 2015, 16, or something like that. Like at the same time, I'm married, and. Uh, I'm in a I'm in a rented house with my now wife, with all of these life things going on, and I'm doing all of that whilst I'm still figuring it out. So I was weighing all of that up as well. Um, so for me, it, it for, in in terms of noise specifically, I was kind of like, it can't go on like this. What do I want to do with it? And it was the first point that I had to stop and say, this has outgrown me. I did this as a blog I did it because I love it the milestones we've hit are unbelievable but I've got zero structure no help whatsoever I'm just I'm sitting on I'm sitting on 10 or 11 reviews that are going up and I'm getting them up one at a time and the people that I'd enlisted to help me at that point in time weren't reliable so I was like well how do I make it so they are so I needed to strip everything back and say if I'm going to do this how am I going to do it how is it going to look? How is it going to be structured? And all of those questions were going around in my head at the time that then you came into the picture. 
if I remember correctly, um, Gav Kennedy came in before me, and so did Stevie. They did. So at that point, because Stevie's the photographer, a wicked photographer as well. Yeah. Uh, Gav was Gary's like a machine in terms of the output that he puts on the side and his knowledge. He came in in a really weird way as well. Yeah, we're gonna get there. Uh, in terms of his like curating <laughs> of content and that kind of stuff. In fact, you know what? Let's just do it now. How, how did you meet Gav? So, um, I roped, who's still my friend. I've got a, I'm just thinking about it. I've got to track back and back and back. So, I, we, we went to download in 2013. Uh, I got a bug for it. I was like, yeah, this is sick. And then realised there was something called Festaf, which is a company that this is going somewhere, by the way that uh, were a company that let you go to the festival for free and you did a bit of work. And you know, oh, I'm yeah, like, you know, the recycling you know stuff, like, all that kind of work. stuff. So yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. right, I can go to the festival, I can earn money, wicked. So I did that. I didn't drink, I didn't do anything. I just went along and made some friends and worked any extra shift that I could. You've seen the trend. And came away with like 60 quid in my pocket. The reason I went that year, and this was 2014, is because Lincoln Park were playing Hybrid Fury in full. At the same time, 2014, I just got engaged to... Um, my wife, my now wife, and I'm doing a month-long road trip in America and wouldn't have been able to do it otherwise. So I go along to this festival and I meet Frank, who's still, oh, we, we haven't been in touch for ages, but he's, you know, he, he was a really good friend. Met at the festival, he was hilarious and awesome. He, I said, oh, I'm actually reviewing the, I, I don't know, the festival. Uh, I've just, did, I'm just writing stuff down and I'm putting it on my website. He was like, oh, cool, I want in. So he was, he was in, and very quickly he really wanted to be really into it. And right. He was really into prog metal and stuff like that, so I was just like, yeah, cool, you take that. Here's 60 bands that I can just be in. <laughs> yeah, 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 like, and yeah. we were, at the time, we were on, like, Napalm Records and um, Nuclear Blast and uh, what else were we on? Andy, who runs Napalm, runs a couple of them. And it, yeah. You, you talked about Children of Bodom, like that, all of the sort of bands like that. Yeah. I wasn't really into, but I was like, there's a whole set of bands here that you can yeah. do. Frank then wanted to, to he was quite, uh, he had sort of grand ideas with it kind of thing. So he said, uh, let's do a video. I'll do a video of myself, like a vlog type thing. And for a while he was doing some vlogging where he was talking about like weekly roundups and things like that. And this was us dipping our foot in. I said, how are you going to do that? He said, I've got a mate in London that can film me doing it. And it was Gav. So um, Gav was filming and doing these things and editing it and he wasn't with Noise but he was kind of doing stuff for us. Um, we then got in far over our heads as well and got involved with a charity at that point um, that went really south really quickly. Um, do you remember this? I do remember you having phone cards. Sorry. Yeah, it was, it was full on. So... And uh, this is like, this is offshoot from Gav, I'll come back, but it's important to say it. And it was something that really taught me like, shit, you've got to firm up on this. You can't be going in willy nilly on these things anymore. We got involved with a charity called uh, Give to Life, who they gave opportunities to those with any kind of special needs or adverse childhood experiences and things like that, a chance to go to shows. Yeah. The Foo Fighters were doing a free date tour along um, the UK. It was like a south for London and a um, right, okay. a north. We weren't directly involved before you're looking really surprised and yeah. excited. 
they were campaigning for some people to get tickets at each one and he approached us randomly just emailed us and said i wonder whether you could he being someone that give to life he was give to life right he was pretty much the charity okay okay they were registered i was smart enough to look and see that they had a registered charity number so i was like this is cool and it's one of those things that when you've started you're like i never expected it to get here i never thought we'd get this far yeah yeah dick deep i died yeah yeah and it was it was it was deep um and this person's expectation of what we were going to do in comparison with where we were at was very, very different. Um, he was business-minded and old as fuck. I can say that because he was a complete knob, So, but I'll get onto that. And he quickly started piling on expectations. Or maybe we could do pre-shows. And then we kind of said, oh, well, we're in connection with loads of bands and stuff. If we put it out on our socials, maybe we could see if we could get some bands to play it. And we could do a bit of the selection process and it'd be really cool. Frank's heading a lot of this up with me. And before we know it, there's 60 bands that have applied to do these pre-show things, just charity shows. Um, and we managed to do it. We managed to set up these shows and get in touch with these venues, free venues in each place to play before Foo Fighters play. We found places that were... Wow, okay, know, man, this that, is amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Do you remember the selection process? Yeah, me and Sam did the actual selection process and decided the oh, bands. Oh, to be a fly on that wall. Uh, Do the one with the jazz flute, Jack. <laughs> oh, I remember the jazz flute. Yeah, they didn't make it. We picked four or five bands for each place, and the bands we picked out were bridges. phenomenal. Bridges. And Bridges I still follow, and they just put out a single. Uh, so huge shout-out to Bridges. And I can't remember what the song BFF. was that got us in. BFF. BFF. I love that. Um, and You always be my best we, friend. Yeah. We, it was like... Two years on from, from uni at this point, and me and him are sat back as if we're back on the balcony. It was like that moment when we oh, listened to Bridges. that's really sick. That's really nice. And, they were, and we were like, yeah. So we'd done everything. We'd looked at their social media presence, how they were doing, who would headline, four bands on each bill, places are picked out. The guy kind of helped with this, and Frank did a lot of it for us as well. But they started butting heads because he wanted us then to promote the shows. We were like, hold on, we're not promoters, we're a music website. You know, we're kind of, we're doing a lot for you here. Um, Two blokes in the living room, leave me alone. <laughs> and we're not even in the same fucking living room. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, and then we, we, I could feel it get intense. He wanted to call me a lot. He wanted to, to get progress updates. I didn't really know what it was for. Um, we, 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 we'd kind of set things up. He said, oh, well, one of you's going to be there on the day, right? I was like, hold on a minute, I'm, uh, I, I can't be there. I've, I've literally got all of this and I've given it to you. Take it. Um, and he started talking about guarantees and how does he know we're going to get people at the shows and stuff like that. And I said, well, we've put together some posters and we've, we've put them out and the bands are putting it out and they're going to be playing these shows and doing this and doing that. I was like, okay, well, like, he, he, was, he was not on board at all. Despite you doing all this free enterprise for him that yeah, you absolutely and I think, uh, did not have to do. And at the time, I wasn't firm enough and I didn't know where I stood with it. So I kind of just went with it, expect, yeah. thinking I can't let people down. Because you're down. inexperienced and, you know. And Frank ended up, we, we ended up agreeing that I'll go to the North show. It was in, fuck, where was it? Was it Manchester? I think it was in Manchester. Just yeah. to see these four bands play these free. And not even go to the fucking Foo Fighters gig. I've never seen them. Would love to. Uh, and, and Frank ended up going to do the South one but he ended up getting like Frank was a bit older and was like do you know what fuck this no I'm not doing it completely fair and yeah. he d 
didn't go to the show, but he'd set loads of things up, and there was really disappointing numbers at it. There's still people there, which for us would have been fucking phenomenal. Two to people there. turning up to but a website. He didn't make enough show. money in his, in his charity box. So I was like, okay, fine, like, we'll let it slide. And then I thought, right, if I'm going to go up to this show in Manchester, it's going to be really full on. Um, as in, it's going to be a full on experience. We're not getting on. How are we going to do this? And we had, uh, I ended up taking up three of the guys uh, that I was friends with in, in Fuel at the time and my wife. And we were just like, yeah, fuck it. Let's, let's, just, let's just go along and see what we can do to help. And we were in this pub. The bands showed up. Um, we're doing this show. Um, and then he starts asking why, you know, he, he said, oh, can you go around town with buckets for the charity? And we were like, what? And the three guys that I was with were like, yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. And they ended up actually getting stopped by the police because they were like, you can't just be going around doing this, you need a license to do it. So this guy was really inexperienced and just, I don't doubt the fact that, and I, if, he's still, if he's still doing what he does, I, I know he's doing it for a good cause, but um, he was very inexperienced in what he was doing at the time and he was palming off a lot on people that were very inexperienced and lacked knowledge in this sort of thing. That show packed out wall to wall because it was a direct route for the for the show to the arena where they were playing and the amount of money he must have got in his pot from that one which his response was oh it's only kind of made up for the for the south show at which point the way he'd responded and acted is kind of the first point for me where i'd gone nah i'm, I'm not with this i said you can have the bands and the venue and all of your organization we're not at the london show we're pulling out of this and we cut it and apparently his london show did quite well because the london show was the famous show that Dave Grohl had broken his leg beforehand because they'd gone somewhere else or something like that uh-huh. and couldn't do it. So instead, all of the people that had gone, it was really short notice as well, so all the people were there ended up going to this London show and seeing all these bands play because they were in town anyway. And he got a really good show out of it, but we weren't involved at that point. Going back to Gavin, he helped a lot in that process. He did lots of bits and bobs with us and helped out and... After that, I think it was too much for Frank and it was too much for me because, you know, it just kind of, it wasn't enjoyable at this point. Uh, he left and Gav stuck around and I still had his contact details. I was like, Gav, you're kind of a talented guy. Uh, why don't you come in and write about our music a little bit as well? And he was just like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll do a bit. And then it spiralled from there with Gav to, as you know, Gav now. And just a quick word on Stevie, because um, we've gone for nearly an hour and a half here already, and we haven't got we haven't got to the day that me and you met. So, um, Stevie, you're gonna have to edit bits out. <laughs> um, Stevie got in touch, and I, I think we we always talk about we always talk about Gavin Griffiths, um, who came in and wrote for us for a short period of time, um, and doesn't anymore. And I'll leave it at that. Uh, Stevie came in through him, which I am really thankful about, um, because they were friends. They'd kind of said to each other, oh, well, if, if you can get me into a show to go and write about it, Stevie can go into the show and, and take photos. And again, she's very talented I, as well. She right? is, and she's she's come a long way with us, which she'll tell you. Um, but I, I had no sort of uh, idea for what a good photo looked like or anything like that. So I was just like, if someone said they had a camera, I was like, you're in. Um, I'll get you a photo pass and we'll blag it and it'll be fine. Um, so she started taking photos. So she was a photographer for us for quite a while. 
the day me and you met, I had already been writing for you for about two or three months. It was the first, it was Slam Dunk, I think it was Slam Dunk 2015. Yeah. It was the first festival that me and Sam ever went to, went with uh, our, like, other best friend, Leon. And Sam had told me, hey, Jack's going to be there. You know, the guy from North. And I was like, oh, wicked, you know, is he bought a ticket? He's like, no, no, he's got press pass, like. And I was like, man, he's got press pass, a Sam Dunk. Like, what a time to be alive for him. This is the sickest thing. Because this is when I was still like, God, I just want to be a music journalist. I just yeah, want to be yeah. a good one. I'm not very good at the minute. If I keep writing, I'll, I'll get better. And I, I was getting to the point where, like, I, I was starting to see, like, a little bit of progress in myself and the feedback I was getting from Sam and other people were like, oh, you know, this is good, man. You know, you did this, did that. And I thought, like, oh, I'd never met you before, but we spoke briefly. I remember Creeper were playing the Fresh Blood stage. Not the Fresh Blood. They were playing, like, the um, the newcomer kind of stage, a slam dunk, I forgot what they call it now. Yeah. But, yeah, look how big Creeper are now. And that was, this how long ago it was, Creeper were on this, like, small little outdoor stage. And I was standing there talking to you. Um, and then we went inside, and I thought, I'm just going to fucking be a bit cheeky. I said, just like, do you want, do you want like, help, like, in the sense of, like, have, like, an assistant editor? And, like, your eyes, like, widened. You had, like, a glint in your eye, and you are like, fucking hell, yes. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, man, that was so much easier than I expected. <laughs> yeah. And beca- yeah. because for me, it was like, I couldn't believe that no one else had asked you this before. And I think about it now, maybe it was just because no one else was just as passionate about it as I am in terms... I don't mean passionate about noise. I mean passionate in the sense of, like, they really, really want to be a music journalist, like, mm, yeah. uh, and get the experience that they could be good enough to be like in a published magazine. So maybe that was why uh, no one else had asked you this question. But you were like, "Oh my fucking god, yes!" Like that's the best thing ever. Like, thank you so much. Like, I'll email, I'll, I'll message you on Facebook about it in two days. Two days later, you messaged me on Facebook, and you were like, "So you're still interested?" I was like, "Yes, one hundred percent." Like, I'm buzzing that you're even like on board with this. And you, we like we start sorting out like what we want to do, and you know, to give me like you, you're telling me do this and do that, like me. And I started off like quite slow. It took me a while to really get into the groove of like what it would mean to be an editor and what the format of the site should be like and how certain things should look, etc. And eventually, pace starts like building up a bit. Like eventually, me and you were talking about like should we take on more writers? And you're like, yeah. And this is before it gets to noise.co.uk. This is like when we're still a, like a blog. And we were moving We were moving like forward at quite a rapid pace. Do you remember the point where you were like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into an actual website now? Yeah. Um, I, that, that, that slam dunk was really, really... It, it, was, it was a make or break point. Because on the one hand, here I am at slam dunk. For free. And for free. I'm stood there next to Theo, who still uh, sometimes takes photos for us. Yeah, and again, very talented guy. Very talented guy, yeah. And I love him, and we've gone up together, and I'm like, holy shit, I've got got me, a photographer, a a press and photo at Slam Dunk. It was a huge, huge moment. But at the same time, I'm drowning. Like, I've I've literally got so much going on. Gab's just started helping out, but we didn't know what that looked like. Um, Stevie started helping out but we didn't really know what that looked like and we were just we're just I'm I'm just desperate for someone to say something to me like I've got the time to do this because I haven't but I don't want to let anyone down and I'm just like I said drowning so you said that and then 
my mind, as usual, raced at the possibilities. So instantly I haven't gone to, oh yes, this will now pad out everything that we do and make it okay. I'm like, grand ideas. If, if Chris comes in and does this, I can go forward and do that. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've got to replace that time of doing something else. And yeah, I remember the discussions between me and you just kind of spanning off so many ideas in my head, reignited that that fire in my belly for it and just wanted to just go for it. Um, yeah, and it, it just, it kind of, that picked the pace up, like you said. And again, like it happened before and it all, this has always happened that it comes in waves of the more we kind of do, the more we sort of pull together and bolster what we're already doing, it ends up creating something else that, that comes in, i.e., we access more PR, we get a band that we're all like, yes, we've got a feature with this band or we've got a review with this band or we can go to this show for this band and that started happening again. So before we know it, it's great that you've come in, but we need more people, more writers, more output. (laughs) I'll tell you the moment that I realised just how much I was thankful for the existence of noise and again, it speaks volumes for how far we've come forward now. Do you remember when Blood Youth had first put out, like, they did an EP, but they'd actually end up, ended up doing an album they did. after it as yeah. well? And uh, Donna, uh, Noise Cartel, who is, she's just the best man, she's the coolest person to work with. I know where you're going with this one as well. She'd mentioned to me that, like, hey man, if you wanted an interview, and I was like, fucking hell, man, are you being serious? Like, like, I, I could interview Kai Tarsus from Blood Youth like, it, like it's a magazine, like I wear for Metal Hammer or Kerrang. I will bite your hands off all, all day. And that was when I started realising that, oh, man, we've, we've actually, we've really got something here. Hmm. Did that interview, did good numbers for the site. Um, and that was when I thought, man, you know what? Like, this is being run out of my and Jack's bedroom here. Like there's there's a chance that this could really be. So this is like three years ago now, and we we've gone on we've gone on to achieve to achieve a lot more, and we're in like a, like I said this to you when I was last with you a couple of weeks ago. We're in like a weird set of flux at the moment because I don't know whether you remember this. Like we we had that year where we'd got like twenty six thousand views in a year on the site. Yeah. Which for us at the time was like I, I messaged you about it. I was like, have you seen the view counter for this year? And you were like, "It's abs- I can't believe it's so fucking good. Like, yeah. We've done so well. And we, we, we've not stagnated, but we've never quite hit that level again since. You're a, bi- you're a businessman now. How do, you, how do you look at noise now? You know, we've come so far from like, I'll fuck about while I'm working at the live lounge and write a few random reviews. And now it's like, we've got a full team of people now that work. Like, not for, I would never say they work for us. They work with us and... We try and give them good opportunities. Like, how how do you look at noise now as as a business? Because you're a businessman now, and that that might sound like a bit of a um, quite an eccentric thing to say, considering that noise, you know, we're not a money making website, but it is a business. Yeah. How do yeah, you yeah. how do you look at it now? Um, every year kind of brought with it something new and something scary, but something that I threw myself into. So after after we really saw that there was something in the background behind that, I'm starting to pull away from the front of it. The whole reason I got into it, I'm not doing it anymore. And I was like, 
do I miss it? Do I love it? I'm enjoying recruiting, bringing people on, speaking to people. I'm Noise's HR department. As problems arise, I'm having to tackle them. So I'm like, oh shit. So this band is there in the news for something that they shouldn't be. And people are going, Jack, should we cover them? And I'm like, we should probably have policies around that or something. Yeah, and I'm starting yeah. to let my head's go in. And I'm like, ah. So, so that year was, was, was sort of big on bringing it all together and having to be forced to think with a business mind. And then Paul Simmons came into it. Paul Simmons, man. What a guy. Whose story is the best story for our applying to, to and you, you must You must tell it. Uh, who found us on Twitter. And as Sam had told you before, I was relentless on Twitter. Um, following, unfollowing, doing all the usual shit. But messaging people, messaging bands. If I saw a band that I liked, I would find their management or I would just DM them and just be like, I like music. I like music. I like the band. Send them over. <laughs> um, and and nine times out of ten, that worked. And the same for writers. If I saw people who were like, I'm really into music, I was like, are you though? <laughs> Why don't you put it on paper? Right, for me, um, you slag. And, and there was a lot. <laughs> there was a lot of that. Um, which I still do to this day. And it's terrible. I do it when I'm drunk. I'm worse when I'm drunk. I've recruited so many good people. You asked me to write a few the other week. <laughs> did I? <laughs> no. Um, you, you'll find soon like, your mates are recruited, all planet lot. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. He looks, he looks around planet like a hungry leopard, looks at a gazelle. He's <laughs> like, Sam, there's so many alternative people here, Jack. I like, we're just here to have a good time. It's just like, no, we're not here to recruit. <laughs> I could have four hour job interviews in here, Sam. <laughs> there's got to be someone here that's into shoegaze. <laughs> um, yeah, so Paul through Twitter started following us and his background in he's been part of the music scene and uh, through his, his old company Roll Your Own Productions and he accidentally thought when we put out a recruitment drive, our first initial recruitment drive, that he was applying for noisy. Spelled slightly differently, but he thought, Oh, this is sick, like noisy are just putting out and noisy is huge. Mm-hmm. Uh so we applied and then we were, I was like yeah you, you can write you can interview you've got great experience you can bring a lot to the team at that point we weren't just looking for writers we were looking for videographers anyone that would come on the team anyone Paul's that's dancing like, anyone slightly interested Paul's going nuts for it and then he realises that it's not noisy it's actually noise but didn't have the heart to tell me until a year later so he wrote for us for a while but it was very quickly evident that Paul had so much experience he'd set up Roll Your Own Productions yeah. he'd, with with some others and had finished that, he'd move out of Cardiff and come back in, caught him at a point in his life where he was ready to throw himself back into something else. And he just had heaps of experience with it. So here I am in a position since that point where all of those scary decisions in the past that I had to make, he's got the answers for. So we quickly realized that as a, as a, as a pair, we could, we could run this from a business point of view together. And at that point, since that point, running it like a, as you said, like running it as a businessman's perspective, that's all I think about, which is weird and kind of sad in a way, but great in another. Where are we, as, as a site, in your mind? I'm not expecting you to give me like full details of how sites run a podcast, um, but you know, you know, I just think it'd be interesting for people to. Who you know, there's clearly people who listen to this who either have websites of their own or work for websites and don't quite understand 
the the difficulties of of the inner runnings of a website when yeah. it's when it's boots on the ground like ourselves like I'm this I'm the assistant editor uh, I suppose theoretically I, I mean I'm the, I suppose with the second in command kind of guy um, and it's tough man like and I I, I work forty hours a week um, I write for another publication I do a radio show I have a girlfriend I go to the gym. I also like to sit on my fat ass and like play games. Oh my god, how is that? Because I haven't done that. It's a tremendous. It, it really is amazing, man. I couldn't recommend it enough. And you know, at the Take same at, at, <laughs> at the same time, like you, you know, it's my responsibility to try and make noise. You know, go as far as it can, and it, it, it is difficult at times. And I suppose people could be listening to this to this podcast and just be like. It's just copy and pasting reviews that people send you into a text box on a website and posting it. Uh, theoretically, yes, but it's actually much more than that because you know there's the, there's much more to the uh, cogs of the wheel than that. And uh, yeah, obviously, I'm not, I'm not going to go into the full details of how a website runs on a podcast. But from you, just like me and you shooting the shit, where are we? It's important to note that I think people's we can never look at it with the perception of someone that isn't inside noise. Yeah. Anyone that I have spoken to has thought that it's something that I do and get paid for, which to me says that it's a professionally presented publication. It's hard for us to gauge that because we spend so much time on the inside we'll be the ones that are like panicking about stuff or oh, who can help me out and get this on socials who can do this for me who yeah. can do that can, can someone help me with this oh we've got this opportunity come up so and so hasn't turned up to this show and there's all the panic is, is contained within it and never necessarily goes out of it and, and sometimes I get sometimes I don't really know and then I'll get someone random on Instagram or Twitter tell us how a review that they've seen for us they've become a fan or there's someone that you know that is that is influenced about what we do or goes in and then the biggest one is going and listen to a band or an artist that we've suggested and whether that's people just randomly or people I bumped into that I haven't seen for ages and it happened when I was in when I was still working in fuel and that was only just like two and a half years ago people would come up and say oh a wicked review I've just listened to them they're sick and all those sorts of things were, uh, when, I, when you're still getting that are like that's why we did it that's why we do it a year ago we we set up as as a uh, as a business so in terms of in terms of business heads on we we want to make something out of it but i've always been really keen on not making it something that's already around for people to be able to consume and i think i think the music industry in general at the moment is in a real time of limbo You've got the big boys, you've got Kerrang, Metal Hammer and Rock Sound still putting out paper publications because they can. You've got some publications alongside our sort of, I don't know, level, I guess, putting out paper publications. And we could have done so. And we blood, sweat and tears to make it happen. And I just don't think it's, I don't think it's viable. And before you know it... Not in our position, it's not viable now. Before you know it... There won't be paper magazines at some point. That's going to happen at some point. And you you look at the way that those websites have done it. They're available online. They do loads of online content. Rock Sound 
focus on they've changed their dynamic completely if rock sound you're a meme account now basically rock sound post jokey memes about being an email uh, no, i'm not criticizing rock sound there but that is the look at rock sound's twitter feed the, yeah you know yeah. that that is the case but i had to be bought out of bankruptcy a year and a half ago yeah, yeah. and and 21 pilots are the feature of rock sound all the time because whenever they're going to need the numbers they're going to need some sure shock someone that they've got a great relationship with to do so there is so when you look at it like that, and you look at you look at the things like Metal Hammer having to, to hitting that point, you kind of I don't want to dive into a market that's entirely like that. We're in we are still very much in this because we love music, and we haven't lost that passion and that honesty. We'll put out reviews, whatever the, the opinion is, whether that's polarizing and that's that's caused controversy in the past. Great, I love it. I'm all about being honest and about people's opinions. So it's still very much a publication where that can happen. We're at the point where a backbone's been set up. Like, it's great, we've got photography editors, we've got writing editors, features editors, and we put out a huge amount of varied content within the genres that, that we love. Um, but at the moment, it's hard to just push. We need a push to just get to the next point, which is hard. <laughs> What's your expiry date in the sense of how long do you think you would continue? Let's say, let's say, noise stayed at the level that we are right now, um, multiple thousand views a year, but not really biting into a, a larger audience. How long do you think, being the head of it, you would you could remain without seeing it um, continue to grow? Because, um, and I love noise, like. I will be a part of Noise for as long as Noise exists. Noise podcasters reinvigorated uh, me and Sam getting in front of the microphone. We did sound check for nearly two years and yep. we really enjoyed it. But towards the end of sound check, it was getting a bit because of minor Sam's situation with jobs, etc., etc. It was getting to a point of like, oh my god, I love chatting to Sam about music, but I've got to go back into town after I finish work and you know, I'm really tired and I just want to go home. So now like, doing the Noise podcast has really reinvigorated me and Sam and the, the numbers that we've got and the feedback that we've got has been amazing. My original point is, in terms of moving forward, we've kind of been at the same level now for about two or three years and theoretically, if you're talking about views, we've actually declined. And again, I don't want to say negative way against Noise. I'm speaking to you as the businessman, the owner. How long do you think you would stay at the head of this until you're like, okay, you know what? We've done this for five, six years. It hasn't grown anymore. Maybe I'll I'll just um, pass the, maybe pass the reins on, or just you know just sell it or disband it or whatever that decision would be. Um, there's a couple of ways that it would end, none of which would be initiated by me. Right. <laughs> I'm glad to hear um, that, man, because I love being a part of it. So I think I think the declining numbers. I'm actually not that bothered about because I think I think it's largely down to the way that people consume music now. There's every chance that's true, um, and consume the way that they hear about music which is why we're focusing on different ways to try and get that out to people. I think your typical sort of live review review works for people in that, that scene, but I don't necessarily think people read much anymore. And if you don't have a website that loads within seconds or a website that isn't, you know, plastered with, you know, uh, just doesn't re load really quickly and you have to read. Yeah. Generationally, we're moving away from it. We're moving on to videos and memes and, and things that you can absorb within seconds. And it's something that we discuss a lot. 
So our views have declined, but so is everyone else's. So that is not, true as well. Yeah, it's not. And when you see people like Kerrang and Roxanne only getting two hundred likes on a post, it just shows you the algorithm of Facebook is now is just not fit for it, and people are having to move on to different things. Hence, Roxanne's meme culture. Fine, cool. In terms of in terms of me. I made a decision just over a year ago when I turned this into a business and I had a very honest discussion with those really involved, our management team, my inner circle, my closest noisies, is that a thing, can I say that? Yeah, of course. I can't take that back. It's your interview, bro. (laughs) You do you, man. (laughs) Um, I can't go back to it being just a blog. And I asked a very honest question to myself and to the team only about half a year ago. There's nothing wrong with staying at the point that we're at. Absolutely nothing wrong with it. We're writing about the music we love. We're getting interviews. We, you know, um, reviewing bands, going to shows. People that are just coming into our publication are still getting that same buzz that we got when we started. We're giving people opportunities. Yeah. Noise has done so much more than that. There's people that it's helped with their mental health, with their writing capabilities. There's photographers that have come in and have gone on tour with tours with bands. There's bands that we've covered in the early days that have gone on to be absolutely fucking huge. Yeah. So, in terms of in terms of our success, it's it, it, you put it on paper. It's everything I could have ever wished it would, would be. But at that point, half a year ago, I decided that it, it can't. I would like to try and spend all my time doing this because why wouldn't you? And if I can make enough money doing it, then great. But if it stays at the point that it's at, that. The only way that it would finish is if, is if the guys that are my core at the moment, yourself, Sam, the other guys in our management team, Stevie, Gavin, Paul, Dan, Will, it can't work unless they're there. So I think the only way that it would 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 dissipate is if one or two of you left at the same time, and and it and it really started to fall and by the, the wayside. Can't and hold on to what we did, and then that, because you know, because we set ourselves up, yeah, to a point where we're upholding so much, we can't really go back from that unless we do a really dramatic change. And you know, like anyone that's listened this far will know that I would get really really bored without it, so it wouldn't be long before I do something else. I got fucking yeah. t-shirts with noise on, and it's and it's a, it's a business. It's not as easy to get out. It's like I've married the fucker. So I've done that for a reason. Um, man, we've gone for nearly two hours, so we are gonna how? Uh, I don't know. Um, Sam, you sat there for a lot of this. Has this felt like two hours? No, it's been fantastic. Oh, good. Um, man, um, enjoyed that. We're gonna get towards wrapping this up now, but your favorite personal. Uh, memory from noise. Um, that's a that's a question. It's weird. It wasn't something that I did myself. The the top one was when we managed to get a photographer. It was Ryan, who unfortunately at the moment can't take photos with us anymore. Ah, uh, Ryan's awesome man. Ryan Winstanley. He uh, we got we got passes for him to go and shoot Limp Biscuit in arena, and it was our first arena. Uh, huge blew my head off and just one of those times that I stopped and reflected I think if you said to me like one of my like favourite uh, moments from noise I think I would choose maybe the Slipknot special that me and Sam did for the podcast that was phenomenal that was one of my <laughs> favourite conversations with Sam like full stop not about music that was like one of those 
times where, like, I didn't even know there was a microphone there anymore. I was just talking to my laptop and Sam was responding. That was really awesome. But actually, um, this this week just gone really sticks out to me. Um, me and Sam love malev- malevolence, like, um, and like the tour we're not loose and, as you know, again, Donna Clancy, noise cartel man, she's man this look she she's been a really big part in helping this website move forward actually if i just take a second like the, the pr people that we've worked with have been absolutely tremendous everyone at hold tight uh, matt and hannah they've been tremendous um the owner's name does escape but she has also been fantastic with us um donna tristan um, oh, you're about, you're Lisa. Lisa, that's her name yes yeah, she's an absolute legend she's amazing she's helped us massively um, I've already interviewed uh, Joan Arn at Nuclear Blast and Claire Harris. They have helped us astronomically. Um, literally, Claire the other day, like um, N- N- Polaris and Northline sold out, and I was like, Claire, is there any chance? And she was like, I'll do my best for you. And she turns up, here she pass. And they're always like that. As and well. Nuclear Blast just Nuclear Blast just the best man. Um, my original point: we both love malevolence. Um, I had already been asked by another publication if I wanted to do uh, an interview with Malevolence for them. So I was like, um, yes, because I remember saying to you a few more, like about a year and a half ago, I said to you, I'm going to step back from actually doing things for noise because I don't know if you remember back in the day, a good band came in the inbox and I took it. Yeah. All the big releases that we got, I just took them and put the reviews up on the site and it was all me, 24-7, all the interviews, all the big albums, and I thought, this is unfair, like, I'm the assistant editor, and I'm just taking everything, so that's why I reached out to another publication, hey, can I write for you, um, to sort of say magazine, who are, you know, oh, even though it's a bit noise, I will shape them out, because they've always been wicked with and me. they're fantastic. They're a, they're a, they're a really good uh, publication. Um, so that was when I was like, okay, I'm going to give back to the, give the other writers a chance to do what I've basically been stealing from them mm-hmm. for the last, like, two years. So, with that, I took the Malevolence for another publication, and I said to Sam, I was like, Sam, we've been offered this Malevolence interview, do you want to do it? He was like, 100% count me in. Like, Did they kick your teeth in? This is a bit, yeah. <laughs> and me and Sam were walking around the back of the venue the other day, and like we're both saying to each other, we've done this like before with bands, like we've done it with Iowa's Murder, and I've interviewed countless bands, but you still get that like twist in your stomach when you're interviewing for a publication, yeah, and just like when the cat, when the a vocalist came out and met us and took us through into the venue, there was like me and Sam, we didn't even say it to each other, but there was like we looked at each other and there was like this acknowledgement in our eyes that. We are theoretically backstage at a Malevolence and Not Blue show here. Have you ever been on a tour bus yet? No. Oh man. No tour bus. No tour bus is just yet. Um, That's a close second for me. And there was just like we wouldn't have like that's an experience that like we see people at our local uh, nightclub planet all the time that are like I can't believe you two do this, man. You get your free gigs. Like, people would kill for that opportunity of what we had. And it's all because of noise. And I'm sure if I, if you know, if you ask me tomorrow morning, I'll think of another memory. But like, I think like this week just gone was probably my um, favourite memory of noise. Um, just just to uh, you know, finally wrap up. I'm looking at the timer here. It's about one hour and fifty four minutes. Um, 
where where can we go? I realistically, or, or where are you hoping that we realistically go? I am probably the furthest removed from the actual musical front that I've ever been. Yeah. For me to get to a show, for me to do, to, to, to review, to find the time to sit down on a laptop and do a review, those, those days at the moment for me are gone. And I feel quite business orientated. Um, but the reason that I'm pushing that front so much is because I would just love to get to a point in my life where I can, something else can give for me be, to be able to finally put some time into this. I'm not at a point in my life where I can just up and do noise or put a bit of a, you know, the, risk anything. I've got a mortgage and a wife and a baby. It's not going to happen. Um, so for me, I'm relying on everyone else. I would just like to, I would just like to be able to get that little break. I'd like, I need everyone to just pull together for a really short period of time, collectively get that fire back in our bellies, and you wouldn't believe how quickly we can we can move. I want to digitalize. I want to do things differently. More to come. Wait for twenty twenty. Watch this. Watch, watch this space. Watch this space. Is that is that that's so like. We can tell people to watch this space. You can watch this space. And this space can be watched. <laughs> this space can be watched. And we've got loads and loads of ideas. We just need the fucking time to do them. Tomorrow, uh, we are filming uh, the Album of the Year show, which is another example of, of how far we've come. And I think there's there's every chance that um, this time tomorrow night, when we're drunkenly in the middle of Cardiff, I'll, I'll turn around <laughs> to you and I'll say... What's your favourite thing you've done in noise now? And I hope that you turn around and say, we just did it. The album of the year show. Uh, and um, do you know what, mate? I think that I've known you for a long time, but I'm not sure that I've ever said um, like a, a true thanks to you before for um, for just, you know, for this weird kid that's like in the skinniest <laughs> jeans that you've ever seen a person wear in your life. Woke up to you at Slam Dunk and be like, fancied me being the assistant editor and you'd be like yeah cool like you're like I beg you might just do anyone that can take the load off me um, and I, I say this to Sam quite often and it, the coincidence of like you two meet at university have this like amazing budding friendship that'll last for the rest of your lives and then Sam comes back from university and just so happens that I have just been asked by someone that I went to uni with who is running a studio, could do with someone doing the podcast, got any ideas, or like, well, I'm really into music, and there's this guy that I, that I used to go to school with that's also really into music, let me ask him. And then six months later, me and Sam are like inseparable best friends as well. And that and all that all that three all it quickly links together into yeah. one like can't imagine the time without it, man. So, thank you for uh, for taking a chance on uh, the weird guy in the really tight jeans. And um, mate, it's the, I'm looking forward to tomorrow. I'm looking forward to uh, what the rest of noise brings. It's gonna be a good one. I hope uh, that you all enjoyed the first proper episode of uh, Chris Meets. That was Jack Holloway, the Alan Extraordinaire of Noise.co.uk. Uh, I'm going to send emails around and I'm going to try and get as many people on this Chris Meets series as, as I can. 
Um, I've got a few people in mind already who I'm going to interview, but um, obviously nothing solid just yet. I wanted to start off the first episode with, with Jack, who has just been uh, instrumental in my experience in the music, in music industry so far. Hope you enjoyed this episode, and we will be back uh, with another one as soon as we get someone to sign up. We love you. Bye. <laughs>